Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am not only pleased, but super excited to have my special guest, Julie Falcone. Julie is a mother of four children, ages ranging from 15 to nine, with one neurotypical daughter and three sons diagnosed with ADHD, autism, sensory processing disorder, anxiety, depression, and oppositional defiant disorder. She has spent more than a decade educating herself on these disorders and the treatments that go along with them. She has been an advocate for mothers raising children with invisible special needs by organizing support groups, being a member and attending conferences across the country of the national associations and publishing her first book, which she will tell you about. She is open, honest, and real about what raising children with neurological disorders and mental illnesses is like and believes that by allowing people to meet her imperfect family, other mothers will feel less alone and more confident in their parenting journey. Welcome, Julie. And where were you when I was raising my kids? (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here uh, on this episode, sharing your wisdom, your family, your struggles, your successes, and your life with us. What, What a blessing for all of us, because as I'm sure you know, many parents struggle with lots of these disorders and just raising children. So can you tell us when this first this journey first began, what it was like to have four children and realize that you had some of these disorders that maybe you didn't know anything about. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sue. Um, Yes, my husband and I have been married for 17 years. And one of the first things we wanted to do after we got married was start our family immediately. We both wanted a huge family um, with a lot of chaos and noise. Um, and <laughs> and yeah. you get what you ask for, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> so I assumed we were going to have at least five children, to be honest. Um, and so I was expecting a lot of fun chaos. Um, and then, and we had our children very close together for that reason. So when we started, I was I I was a stay at home mom and. I was in it and I was loving it slash surviving it um, for a while. And my kids, they're so amazing in so many different ways. And it's interesting that each one of them with their diagnoses came out in such different ways that it wasn't textbook for me. A, because I had no idea about any of these things and B, because I just thought, oh, well, parenting is hard, period. So what I'm going through at my house, I'm sure you know, Joni up the street is going through too. Um, At the time, I didn't realize that Joni's heart might be a little bit different than mine um, per se. So yeah, so my oldest, Gabriel, he, God love him, um, he started to show some interesting signs in fourth grade. I mean, it took that long for um, a teacher to say, you know what he is? He is trouble focusing, you know. Oh, really? 
you know, oh, okay. Um, and then after after doing some research and, and talking to some doctors and his actual symptoms coming out stronger and stronger, he let us know, God love him. I feel like his body and his mind um, showed us pretty, pretty quickly that this is not something that we could ignore. For instance, Gabriel started refusing to go to school. He's a great student, you know, super smart kid. And then he started to get depressed and you could see it. And he was very verbal about it. I mean, a fourth grader who is all of a sudden telling you that, oh, is this the point of life? I'm gonna go to school every day and then I'm gonna go to work every day. This is my life, this isn't worth it. Um, he made it very obvious to us that, oh no, something's going on. Um, so we started with Gabriel and gosh, it got, it went downhill quick with my, with my first, my love. Um, his depression got scary quickly, especially for me who um, didn't realize that fourth graders could have such deep, serious feelings, to be mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. So he, we were at the hospital a few times for um, suicidal thoughts and it was scary. And, um, and while that was going on and we were working on his diagnoses, my second son, God love him, was showing signs in a completely different way. Um, he showed just a lot of aggression, a lot of violence um, and anger. And he was tiny, you know, he was a little, ever since he was little, he would just get super angry. And as he got older, the violence grew. And guess what? At a, now as like a 13 year old, that anger and violence can be a lot scarier than it was when he was two or four years old. Um, so Matthew's diagnoses came out a bit differently, but he was diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety and um, oppositional defiant disorder and sensory processing disorder. I learned a lot in a little bit of time, I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, my daughter Lucy was born, uh, breath of fresh air. And, and then my youngest, remember I said I was going to have five. Well, after my beautiful fourth son, Christopher, God gives you what you're supposed to have because we couldn't have thought about having a fifth after, uh, after Chris, because he came, he came into this earth, um, wanting and needing a certain amount of attention that I couldn't have given um, to him if I would have had another child. And so he came out blazing with very, very obvious and very quick symptoms of autism and ADHD and anxiety. Um, and so here I thought that parenting was difficult for everybody in the same way. Like I thought that they were dealing with these same issues that I was. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't something I was gonna tell everybody either because if you're People kidding- People don't talk about it. No, <laughs> yeah. no. and it. this was probably the start of Facebook before, before realizing, oh wait, if I look at Facebook right now, oh, life is perfect for everyone in my life mm -hmm. is, is a shit show. Um, is crazy town. And so I'm not telling anybody about how crazy it is over here. So needless to say, these four humans taught me personally, I mean, I think I was in the library. Once the diagnosis started, I started spending a lot of time at the library at night because I could get away from the house and I could learn about ADHD and become the best advocate for the kids that I could be. Um, 
which was difficult because during the day they were beating me down in the most, and I say that in the most loving of ways. <laughs> mm -hmm. of, of course. And I do understand, you know, yes. it's, it's, um, when I, when I was sharing your bio, you know, I could feel my heart pounding a little bit because some of these, um, diagnoses I had, but I only had it with one of my kids, mm -hmm. um, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the oppositional defiant all in one child. Um, and I think that you do feel alone. You feel like the only one. And, you know, when you were sharing, like people don't talk about it, they don't. And I don't know if you found this, Julie, but when I shared, I can remember distinctly sharing a little bit with my friend about how I was struggling. I couldn't get my daughter to go to school either. And, you know, as she got older, it was difficult. You can't lift them up and put them in the car, you know, it becomes a war. So I remember my friends saying, you know, well, just do this or just do that. Like people didn't really get it. And oh, yes. it was very hard to have friendships during those times when you're struggling, raising these children, understanding what all of this means and how best to come to it. And then you have people that you think are there for you, but they don't, and, and they're trying to be, right? They're trying to be, but they don't understand what it's like to live in your house. And so it makes it even harder. And I'd love for you to share how you not only advocate, Kate, for mothers, but how you created the groups and, and why it's so important. And believe me, I know, and you know, my kids are older now and everybody's you know, grown into adulthood, thank goodness. But you know, I wished I had had that. And I'm sure lots of our listeners are saying, where can I go? I need people, I'm alone, it's hard. I struggle, you know, and all of those types of things that you and I both have said, I'm sure. Yes, I have to say, I agree with you 100% when you talk about these, these friends and family of ours who want to help us, they love us. I mean, they want to help, but how are they supposed to know what's behind my door when I'm not sharing it? I think what ended up happening, to be honest, in my life was desperation. Um, things got so bad here that I think... I let all of my pride and embarrassment and all of those feelings, I had to put them aside because I was drowning. Um, and the first thing, one of the first things I did was there was this lovely woman in our, in our community who I knew had a child diagnosed with autism. I emailed her out of the blue. I must have maybe waved to her three times that, you know, the giant in our lifetime. And out of desperation, I emailed her and said, this is where I'm at and I need help and I need it big time. Mm. Um, and she was so sweet. She met me for coffee and I was crying to her and she was at a different point. You know, she was, she was in a different part of the journey. So she could say to me, it's okay. You know, um, been there, done that. And here's what you're going to do. So I think out of desperation came a lot of my honesty to be, um, to be frank. I, and because of that, then I just wouldn't stop talking about it. When we'd be outside of school, I would tend to make an offhand comment, you know, with the mom standing outside, like, oh, should, you know, you should have seen me this morning. My hair was in six different directions because I couldn't get so-and-so to school. Um, and then another mom might say to me later, like, do you know, I had that, I have that issue with my youngest, blah, blah, blah. And that is how I feel like little by little, 
I found these other mothers who were secretly dealing with a lot of the same stuff. And I would have never guessed. I mean, these women, you know, were put together. Their life was together. They weren't like me, you know, um, who was hoping to shower, you know, every three days. <laughs> so, um, so little by little, I found these other struggling women and then it became like a lifeline for all of us at that point. So I would say, hey, let's meet for coffee. And, and it became a chance for us just to be honest and be open. Um, and I think that's also where I started to hear other mothers saying, oh yeah, well, my friends don't get it. Um, I mean, because we've all been there, you know, I've, I've been at the parties where my kid is acting like, um, is out of control and I can see an eye roll or I can see a, a friend of mine saying or whispering, you know, I would never let my mm -hmm. child treat me that way. Mm -hmm. And these are my friends and I know they don't, they didn't mean, um, mean anything by it, except that they were just saying what they were thinking. But those, those comments would put me in, in tears and in bed for a week uh, because it started to become really blatant and obvious at how different my family was. But, you know, Julie, if I could just chime in here, one of, and, and I experienced that as well, you know, what's this behavior and why is she letting her kids do this? And, you know, what's going on there? People, you know, they certainly don't mean it and it is not, you know, to be harmful. But what happens is people are scared sometimes. So when they see our children acting out or acting up in ways that they feel is unacceptable, they're afraid that that might happen in their home. Not because our child is going to convince their child to do whatever it is that they're right. doing. You know, it's it's not doesn't spread like you know everybody's drinking the same water. Uh, but I think people don't know what to do with that, and they get nervous. And you know, we all see everybody else's children and families and think everybody else has it better or easier. And then when we see something that doesn't feel right, it's uncomfortable and it's scary. And so a lot of those fears come out and how we react and we may have to pull back because we don't want to be near it. You know, it's too heavy. It's too chaotic. It's too uncomfortable. And so, you know, it's really about our own emotional intelligence basically, right? Just because someone else's child has these behaviors doesn't mean it's going to somehow infiltrate into our water system and our whole family is going to you know drink drink the kool-aid let's say <laughs> right and i think that there is something about us as especially mothers taking it inward and saying okay well they think i'm a bad parent it's obvious that they think that I can't control my children. Um, so we are also taking in these feelings that, you know, that are deep within us as well. And say, again, you're right, we, we can easily start to distance. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that has happened throughout my entire life of, hmm. And I think it's great now with wisdom and age comes um, a lot more, a lot more, um, knowing of who I am and what I need and what my family needs in my life. Because I would say in those days, I was too in it, too young, too um, insecure to be able to know and to discern who and what I should be probably exposing us to in mm. that. And you know what? And I think a lot of it was maybe I didn't feel worthy of it, or maybe I didn't, I wasn't asking for help in the way that I should have, or um, I think there's so much that goes along with it. 
Yeah, well, you don't know. And what you don't know, you don't know. And so, you know, as as you learned and grew in your awareness and understanding of what all of this meant for each of your children and for you and how to create the conditions that helped each of your kids thrive, you're able to face the world in a different way. It, you know, having again lived with chaos, just you know, from my my oldest, my greatest awakener, um, I, I believe that chaos is where the learning comes in, and the chaos is where we try to understand what's in front of us and how we can bring attention in a different way to the situation. So until we do that ourselves, we can't help others, right? And we can't be there for others, and we can't be this incredible support system for others like you are and you know really helping you know mothers and parents feel like it's okay to have an imperfect family every family is imperfect in its own special way but we need to be less alone we need to feel like it, you know we have uh confidence you know in our friends and a camaraderie of support and and acceptance of where we are in this process because even without all of this, parenting is so hard. With these, you know, special needs and differences that our children, you know, are showing up with, it's even harder. And so, you know, if you're listening to this episode, I encourage you, no matter what you're going through or others are going through, not to judge, to, to be supportive, to be kind, to know that everyone is doing the very best they can with what's in front of them every day. And some days we're better than others, right? Some days we, we want to climb under a, a black you know, hole somewhere and, and bury our heads. I, I know my closet was my greatest place to hide. So that's where all my tears were shed and that's where I hid and tried to regroup often. So for people listening, where, can, where should they go to learn more about some of these groups? Because you know, I think the first thing would be for me listening to this episode is, where are your groups, Julie? How can I be a member? Because, you know, help and the people around me don't understand. I need a place that, you know, we work together as mothers raising children with, you know, with special needs or individual needs um, or invisible needs. I agree with you that we need to be surrounded by other people who really um, have, have a lot of the same stories, no matter how ugly they can be. Um, so I have to say, I am, I've joined every Facebook group under the sun. Um, because to me, even just when I scroll through Facebook, a lot of times seeing the perfect hurts. So, really? so great to sprinkle in on my, when I'm scrolling down and seeing my, the ADHD parent group and the, you know, autism parent group. And I'm also in all of the national, you know, I'm a member of all the national organizations like Chad and Taka and, um, you name it. And I feel like I am there i just keep trying to read and learn um that type of that type of education to me and is probably the best part um and i think even just reading some of some of the other parents posts on those facebook pages is so freeing mm -hmm. um, because been there done that or that sounds really difficult. I can't imagine, you know, type of thing. There's, there is that support that we so desperately need. Um, so that's what I tend to do. I tend to stop the perfect. I, I, I kind of like 
moved away from those beautiful family photos um, <laughs> that would make me feel less than and kind of just inundate, inundated my social media around the imperfect because yeah. first off imperfect is way more fun <laughs> there, well there, there is no perfect so right. i think that's the key element that we have to remember on social media mm -hmm. many people are putting out there what they want the world to see not what they are really experiencing so going to these groups is a place where you will find those that speak your language you know speak about imperfection and speak about the real stories that are going on in their families so i highly recommend as well you know searching through social media finding the groups that speak to you the national groups reach out step in share listen to other people's stories read other people's stories support other people as they support you too and see what feels right for you because you don't want to be alone you don't want to feel those lonely feelings like it's just you, it's all you, and nobody else has these experience, experiences because there's two of us right here. We both have, you know, I'm through it on the other side of it, and um, but I can still remember the heartache and pain of the journey and feeling very isolated and alone. And for you, Julie, you've taken you've taken control, so to speak, as much as you can <laughs> of the situation by finding places that serve you and learning to serve yourself and understanding more and more as you go forward. So it's just a beautiful gift. And besides all of that, you've written a book. So I would love for you to share where people can purchase your book, learn more about you, learn about your story and have the support just from reading your beautiful story. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yes. So my book is called Dear Loved Ones, An Honest Guide to Helping the Special Needs Family You Love. And it's, um, it gives some pretty honest stories from my personal life. And then at the end of each chapter, there's a letter addressed to our extended family and friends to kind of give them advice on how to handle those situations, what to say, what not to say, just so that our relationships can stop being strained and start being strengthened. Um, and so that it's on Amazon and um it is it's, it was a labor of love and a really great therapy session <laughs> i'm sure and i i love the letter at the end because again you know the struggle is not only day to day in your own house with your own chaos but it's also struggling to to respond to these people that are part of your family that have no idea what right. to do so right. so beautiful and we will share the links as well so all our listeners can learn more about this book and purchase it for their own selves and homes so that they can learn more about how they can support their children from your journey. So thank you so much, Julie. It's been an honor having you here and a pleasure learning more about you. I really appreciate you being so uh, upfront and sharing your story. Well, thank you, Sue, for doing this. I have to say you are helping people and parents more than I bet you could know. Um, I think that these are the types of podcasts that parents tend to, you know, um, relate to because they are so real. So thank you for being so open um, and, so, and so welcoming. So thank you very much. I know no other way. Thank you. <laughs> and to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. 
And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. 